Hi, welcome to Christian Life Fellowship. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at CLF, and I want to welcome you to this podcast. This is a recording from Sunday, May 2nd. Hope you enjoy. Thanks. Hi, thanks for coming. So glad you're here. Uh, just to actually have a few things before we get into today's message. Uh, today is communion, and so um, if you don't have communion, we, we, um, if you don't have it, we have these little prepackaged things that has um, what's supposed to be bread, but it's just like styrofoam, honest. Uh, and, uh, but that it, it represents. Uh, and uh, if you don't have one, um, they're over here at the table, and um, you can either come get it, or Wendy would, I'm sure, be happy to deliver it. And uh, thanks. Uh, so I want to let you know that. Uh, secondly, um, we have our annual general meeting coming up in a couple Sundays on May 16th. And so uh, we're going to hold it outside. Um, if you... Um, if you come to the 1015 service and, and you're a member and you just, just stick around, if you aren't coming to church, please plan to come uh, for the AGM after. I promise we'll have you home by noon. It, it will not take long. Okay, uh, a couple more things. Um, in that, um, well, we have had um, two morning services, right? We have prayer at 9. And uh, you, you actually can come to prayer at 9 and stick around for the service. That is allowed. Um, and, uh, uh, but we've decided that for now, the pastoral staff, we've decided for now to not have that second service at 1130. Um, we're just going to stick with 1015 for now. And eventually, um, when needed, we will uh, we'll expand again. So, so you know what, what we're allowed to have 50 people in, in person like this um, and then 50 cars so um, now I, I can't see us actually fitting 50 cars in there, but as many people as can fit in cars that are in your in your bubble are allowed to, that are are allowed to be here. So um, we can we think that for now that that probably will work for us. And uh, you know we are like I suppose like everybody we're looking forward to the day we can be back inside, right? Uh, and um, although no, I, I'll be honest, I wish I wore a sweater today. I'm a little chilly right here in the shade, but uh, uh, okay. And then finally, before we get into today's message, um, I, I'd like to I'd like to ask you um, if there's anything that you would like to um, any topics, questions that you would like to hear um, addressed uh, from um, on a Sunday from in a preaching. So if there's like a topic or a question that you've always wondered, uh, I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear hear that from you. And uh, so let me know. You can call me or email me. If uh, if there's something that um, you think, yeah, you know, I'd love it. I'd love to hear about this. Please let me know. I've I've got lots of things in mind, but uh, you know, we're people have always had questions. But man, we're we're in a time right where there's all kinds, <laughs> all kinds of questions going on. So um, if you have something, let me know. All right. So we're um, we're in a series on Ruth in the book of Ruth, and so. Um, if you have your Bibles or, you know, if it's on your phone, you want to turn there or click there to the book of Ruth. It's in the Old Testament. And uh, today we're going to look at Ruth chapter 2. Ruth is a story about redemption. Redemption is really the best way I would define it is redemption is when God brings us back from difficult, even devastating circumstances in our life and sets us back on a good path, you know, in the right direction. He, he, he takes something awful and makes it something beautiful because this is who God is. You know, God has not promised us that, that we'll never experience pain or grief, but he has promised us, you know, that, that he'll work all things together for good 
for those who love him. He has promised us that we will see and experience his, his goodness. He has uh, promised us that, that one day, right, we will step into eternity. And when we do, all the sorrow and, and pain, the difficulty that we experienced here will pale in comparison to being with him and in his presence. That isn't to minimize the things that we experience here, it's, it's, but it is to give us some perspective that someday God will set all things right. That is a promise for us. He'll set all things right. And the sorrow, that the difficulty that we experience here will someday seem very insignificant. Again, that's not to minimize maybe what you're going through, but it is to, to, it's a place where we're to find hope that someday we're going to be with him, that we'll never feel and have that sense of separation or wondering where he is because we'll see him face to face. That is a promise for us, and, and it's a part of redemption. So today what we're going to do is uh, we're going to look at Ruth chapter 2, and we're gonna, I'll, I'll read a verse or two and then, and then talk about it. So if you have your, as I said, if you have your Bible, you might, you might want to follow along. So verse 1, Right, says, now there is a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz. He was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. If you remember, Elimelech died while in Moab. And so we have a wealthy and influential man. Right away, what you see here in Ruth chapter 2 is a picture of, of Christ. It's a foreshadowing of Jesus, someone who has the resources and the power to change our destiny, to turn our lives around. And that holds true for Boaz through the rest of the story because the story of Ruth is, is really just a beautiful picture of God's uh, redemption, God's relationship with us through Christ. And so then it says one day, verse 2, one day Ruth the Moabite says to Naomi, let me go into the harvest fields to pick up stalks of grain left behind by anyone who's kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replies, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather the grain behind the harvesters. As it happened, she found herself working in the field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. So in, in Leviticus chapter 19, God commands and instructs the, the farmers of Israel. That, that This just gives context to what's going on here. So he tells the, farmer in Israel, the farmers of Israel that they should not completely harvest their fields. What he, he tells them to essentially to cut corners while they're harvesting. And, um, and the idea of cutting the corners is that that, that grain the is, that's left in the corners is to, for those that are poor or needy to come along and glean it, to harvest it, and um, they're to leave it behind. And, and as part of the instruction, what he tells them as well is, if you gather a bundle up and while you're carrying it to the cart or wherever, if you happen to drop it, they're not, allowed, they're not supposed to pick it back up. You're supposed to leave it there on the ground. And... Um, uh, for those that are gleaning to, to find it. So this is, this is really essentially a, a social assistance program um, in, in Israel. It's to help the poor and the, and the needy so that they could feed themselves. It was generous, but it also required work from those that, that needed it. And the idea there, the idea of why, the reason God's doing this is because he's actually trying to provide dignity for those that found themselves in need. Lots of times, right, as humanity, um, we warp and, and kind of twist our needs into something that's um, shameful or something that, that makes us feel less than people that, that, to us, don't appear to have needs. But the truth of the matter is, is everybody on earth has needs, right? 
And so the idea behind this instruction is that there would be dignity for those who needed help. Because even when we're down and out, God still wants us to be treated with kindness and dignity. Many times, I don't know about you, many times that isn't what we're met with when we're, when we're struggling or having a hard time. So here we have Ruth on her own initiative, right? Sets out to, uh, to glean in the fields to support her, mother and her, her and her mother-in-law, Naomi. And, uh, and so it tells us that she, it says she happens to find herself in, in working in Boaz's field as though it's somehow random. But I can't help wonder if God didn't make sure that Ruth ended up in Boaz's field, because God knows what he's doing, right? And uh, he's always looking to work for our good. Ruth and Naomi had been through incredibly difficult times, and they'd made hard choices to turn to God for help. And now, right, Ruth is doing what's needed to take care of both of them. And so there's a lesson here for us that while we wait for God to rescue us, to deliver us, we should continue to work. We should continue to be useful, to take care of others, to continue to turn our heart towards God. Because this is the example that we see here from them as God is working on their behalf. So then it goes on in verse 4. It says, while she was there, Boaz arrived from, from Bethlehem, greets his harvesters, says, the Lord be with you, and, and the Lord bless you. And the harvesters replied, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz asked his foreman, who's that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she's the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She's been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes rest in the shelter. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter. Stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other field. Stay right behind the young woman, what young women working in my field. See which part of the field they're harvesting and then follow them. I've warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you're thirsty, help yourself to the water that they've drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? She asked. I, I am only a foreigner. Verse 11, yes, I know, Boaz replies, but I also know everything about everything that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I've heard how you left your father and mother-in-law and, and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wing you have come, take re- uh, you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you've done. I hope to continue to please you, sir, she replied. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me even though I'm not one of your workers. So Boaz, right, uh, arrives from Bethlehem, greets his harvesters. They're happy to see him. He inquires about Ruth, right? Bethlehem wasn't a really huge town. They would have all known each other. Her face would not have been familiar. So it would have been recognized that she was not one of them. She, uh, and so he's asking about her, right? The, um, and, of course, what he hears is she's worked really hard, and uh, so that, of course, impresses them and uh, that, that she's taking care of what needs taken care of. And so he's impressed by her, her work ethic and makes a good impression on him. And he responds with kindness to Boaz or to Ruth and suggests, right, that she stay near in his field. So what he's saying is, you know, don't, don't go gather at another farmer's field. Stay here. I'll make sure that you're taken care of. And, of course, you know, you see Ruth's reaction, wondering why, you know, her, why, how she as a foreigner 
could find favor because that isn't how it usually went. And Boaz, right, replies that he'd heard about everything that happened to her and her faithfulness, her commitment to God and her faithfulness to take care of Naomi, her commitment to the God of Israel. See, as a foreigner, as an outsider, Ruth didn't expect to be treated well, but she found grace and mercy. And again, we see this incredible picture of our relationship with God, right? Her response to this kindness is gratitude, just as ours should be. You know, and I I believe that God's hope for each and every one of us is that we become attuned to and notice and care for those outside of our usual circles to show them kindness so that they can experience God's love and grace through us, whether that's here at church or in our in our schools, our workplaces, that we would notice those that, you know, appear to feel like they're on the outside looking in. And so, it, it, and this keeps going because in verse, verse 14, it says at mealtime, Boaz calls to her, he calls to Ruth. So, you know, she, she is out somewhere, not with his group, and he actually calls her over, invites her in. He says, come over here. Help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So she sat with his harvesters, and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. So Ruth, right, this, this outsider is invited into relationship to eat with Boaz and his men, which would, would have been unusual. And she ate till she was full and had left over. Now, they dipped their food in, into sour wine or vinegar, which was a really common practice in, in that region because what it would do was it help you. It was really hot when you're out harvesting and dipping your bread in the, in the sour wine or, or the, the vinegar would actually help cool your body down. And uh, it was, so it was more than just, hey, here's some food. Now, you know, get away from us. Um, it was they're inviting her in. And he's actually, he's taking care of her in many ways. There's more than just care that she has a full stomach. It's like, hey, we recognize it's hot out there. Here, dip your bread. Again, there's this kindness, this dignity that, that comes through. It's the same, you know, in the same way God invites us into relationship with him to, to get up close to him. He invites us to have our, our soul fed to find rest for our heart and mind, to, to actually be refreshed. You know, like we're, right, we're, we're in a time right now where um, it, it, that, that you can feel drained. You might, it, it's not just right now. This, this is just an experience in life, right? The difficulties of life have a way of draining us. And God is, God is always inviting us in to get up close, to... To, um, to have our, like I said, to have our, our soul fed, to find rest for our heart and mind. And so it goes on. In verse 15, it says, When Ruth went back to work, Boaz ordered his young men, let her gather grain right from among the sheaths without stopping her, and pull some out, he says, and, and pull out some heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up and don't give her a hard time. So Boaz, right, like he's going beyond what God has even instructed in Leviticus 19. He is, he's allowing Ruth to, to take some grain that was already gathered. He's blessing Ruth. But he didn't want to dishonor her by making her a charity case, right? He's, he's 
making sure she she gets something from God or she gets something that takes care of her, uh, of her like a blessing from God by just making grain f- fall on the ground. It appears accidental, but it's not. You know, just like this, just like Ruth, we get blessings from God at times in ways that, and things that we're not even aware of. And God is just so good to us. God's just so good to us that, that we get things that we don't deserve. We get things we don't deserve. I mean, you know, in our world around us, we, we know and understand that, you know, often people get, like, they have to work for what they want. But God is just so much better than that. He gives us things we don't deserve from forgiveness to provision. He's just always looking to bless us. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you, you might think in your head, like, I'm out here doing my best for you, God. And, uh, you know, and, and you just keep dropping blessings into my life. I'm out here doing my best, and sometimes it's, it might, I have a great day, and sometimes I don't. Regardless of, uh, you know, how it goes, God desires to bless us. You know, where we can think, I recognize, God, I recognize that I'm an outsider, that I don't deserve to be treated with kindness or to be treated with dignity, but you just keep giving it to me. You just keep treating me like that, even though I don't, I don't deserve it. You keep inviting me in. See, this is true for us, each and every one of us today. In years and years of pastoring, I've, I, I've come across many people that in life who feel like they're on the outside looking in. They often feel like you, you can be in, in, the, in a group and feel like you don't fit, like you don't belong. You can feel like you're on the outside. And, and at times, right, you get treated in such a way that makes you, that affirms that for you. And whether people recognize that they do it or not, I don't always know. But here's what I do know. What God wants you to hear today is that you are and always have been welcome. You always are and always have been. He is always inviting humanity into relationship with him. That regardless of how we sense or where we see ourselves, right, being on the outside, Ruth saying, well, I'm a foreigner, she's recognizing, I don't deserve any of this. And yet God works on her behalf through Boaz. God is always, always wanting to tell us that we're welcome and have always been welcomed by him. And so it goes on in verse 17. It says, Ruth gathered barley there all day. And it says she beat out the grain, and that evening it filled an entire basket. She carried uh, carried it back to town, and she showed it to her mother-in-law. And Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from her meal. See, so Ruth had eaten enough for her, but she had leftover that she gives to Naomi. Because when God blesses us, right, he fills us up so much that there's always some left over for others. And in fact, I think that's one of the things God wants us to look for is when he blesses us that we look for somebody else who also needs to be blessed in the midst of what we're walking through. And so it goes on, and, and Naomi asks the question, where did you gather all this grain today? 
Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. And so Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man whose field she'd worked. She said, I, I, the field I worked in today was owned by a man named Boaz. And she says, may the Lord bless him. He's showing kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. The man is one of our closest relatives. He's one of our family redeemers. Then Ruth said, what's more, Boaz even told me to come back and to stay with his harvesters until the harvest is completed. Good, good, Naomi exclaims. Do as he said, my daughter. Stay with these young women right through the whole harvest. You may be harassed. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. So Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's field, gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest. Would it would have been a few weeks or more. Then she continued working with them through the wheat harvest in the early summer, and all the while she lived with her mother-in-law. So. You know, once the day's over, Ruth tells Naomi about everything that happened. And Naomi responds with praise to God. And so if you remember from last week, right, when Naomi and Ruth arrive back in Bethlehem and they're excited to see Naomi because it had been several years. And she says, and they say, is this, they, the, what it says is she, they ask, is that really you, Naomi? And she says, don't call me Naomi, um, <laughs> which means pleasant. She says, call me Mara. And that the name Mara means bitterness. And she's saying that because of the difficulty, the hardship they'd gone through with her husband dying and then, and then her son's dying. And so it, it, you see this shift in one chapter from somebody that's saying, like, I, I, I've, I've experienced bitterness and difficulty in life to now she sees God at work in the midst of, in despite of, her difficulty, her bitterness, like the, the bitter things that's happened to her in life. And she's, right, she, she's kept her heart soft even in the midst of difficulty. Pain, disappointment, things that happen to us have a way of trying to push us into being hard-hearted and, and hard in our thinking. And so let me encourage you that while this whole story, right, is, is all about God redeeming us, that one of the things that you and I need to work at when we're experiencing difficulty in life is, is continually pointing our heart and mind back to God, continually looking to Him as the one who rescues and redeems and helps us. Because what that will allow us to see, bitterness has a way of only allowing us to see bitter things. Right? And it works its way out into our relationships with others. Whereas it, it, it's not saying that we, again, God hasn't promised that we won't experience hard things or grief in this life. But when we take what is bitter in our lives and we continue to, to look to God, continue to point it to Him, God will reframe it, God will rework it in such a way that we can see Him at work in the midst of it. Right? Naomi, which means pleasant, and then she says, no, call me bitter. <laughs> bitterness. And now here she is praising God, giving thanks to God for his goodness. She's not flip-flopping. She's just simply walking through really deep things. <laughs> Who hasn't had to walk through deep things in their life? And often, right, we, um, we can be really hard on ourselves in the midst of it. What, what I want to encourage you with is that God is always at work, always inviting us in to see his redemption at work. Boaz is a close relative, a family redeemer. 
The Bible describes for us that Jesus is our brother. He is our redeemer. This is why I said at the start that that this whole story is just a beautiful picture of our relationship with God. We get adopted into God's family. We have somebody looking out for us, just as Boaz is looking out for Ruth and Naomi. So in that, I've got, I've got three things for you to take away from today. And, and then we're, we're going to get into communion. Three things real quick. First one is this. We should look for God at work in our everyday, or we should look for God in our everyday work in life. We should look for him in our everyday work in life. God redeems all things. The second is this, you might feel like an outsider, but God is inviting you into his family. Know that today. God is inviting you in, always. And third, God can bring you back from tragedy and give you hope and a future because there's no such thing as a lost cause with God. There is no such thing. It doesn't matter how difficult your life has been how the choices that you've made and you might say, yeah, but I've done this, I've created this. It doesn't matter how far you are. There is no such thing as a lost cause with God. What you have to do is just turn back to him. Just turn to him and he will meet you right where you are. Just like Boaz meets Ruth in the field while she's working. God can bring you back from tragedy to give you a hope and a future. So what we're going to do now is uh, you, wanna, you might want to take a second and, and open these up. If you don't know how they work, there's like a the top little purple part just peels back to get to the bread and styrofoam. <laughs> and, uh, and the bottom, you, there's a second tab that opens up for the juice, okay? You know, th- this is, communion is just one of those moments that's, it's really beautiful and it's holy and sacred because it, not a, not out of ritual, but out of the fact that we were outsiders <laughs> and we deserve to be outsiders, right, because of our sin. And yet Jesus made a way for us to come. Right? He made a way for us to have relationship, to have forgiveness, to be a son and our daughter of God, and to have Jesus as our, as our brother, as our redeemer. That came through his body and his blood. Just take a moment where you are and just say thank you to him for that. Regardless of how close or how far you feel from him right now, right here this morning, thank him. Thank him that he's made a way. Thank you, God, that we might be out just working in the hot, (laughs) in the middle of a field, in in the heat, but you know exactly where we are. You know exactly where we are. And you always come to us. You always invite us in to be with you. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave yourself so willingly for us.
God, I pray this morning for anyone that, that's here, anybody that hears this, watches this, that feels like they're on the outside looking in. I pray, Lord, that by your spirit they would know and sense now just, just that, that your spirit is calling them into relationship, deeper relationship with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, right, he took bread and he gave thanks to God for it and he, and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat the bread together. Thank you, Jesus, for your broken body. Thank you that you went to the cross to make a way to make a way for us to have relationship with you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. And in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's drink together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Thank you for your blood that cleanses our sin, makes us new and whole, that positions us to be able to receive from you our full adoption, to receive from you, God, your blessings, your goodness. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that each and every one of us would see you at work, would see you, God, in, in our everyday work in life this week. That, God, in those ways that maybe we feel like an outsider, we would sense your call deeper into your family. And, God, that we would see your goodness at work in the midst of our difficulty. We would see your redemption. We pray this, Jesus, in your beautiful name.